This is the best of the Good Advice Podcast, the top 10 best episodes from the last four years of the Good Advice Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning into the podcast, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Today's episode is from episode 138 called Run, (laughs) Run, Don't Walk, Run from These Sales Sayings. It was one of my favorites, and it is shockingly still appropriate today. Having said that, enjoy this episode, and don't forget you can follow the Good Advice Podcast with our updates twice a week on any podcast platform. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Throwing up another solo episode today. Like I said, I've said it a couple times now. I'm trying to get back to getting up these solo episodes. I love the guests who come on the podcast. Uh, If you've never checked out the podcast before, you got to scroll through. There's some pretty incredible business leaders who've been on the podcast and who have shared some pretty incredible insights for not just how they grew their business, but how you can also grow your business. But Outside of these guest episodes, I love to jump on the microphone and share some of the things that I'm passionate about, share some of the things that are going on with me, things that are top of mind for me, and so that's what I want to do today. First of all, we just celebrated two years of the podcast. Uh, Today is October 7th. The podcast went live on October 1st and really didn't know what it was going to lead to, really had no idea what was going to happen with it. I just knew that there was power and consistency and that I needed to jump on the microphone. And as my friend Randy Wilburn says, who, by the way, he's the host of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast, a pretty incredible podcast about our Northwest Arkansas area. Uh, I love his perspective. You have to just keep hitting record, he says. Uh, And I think that is so true for growing a podcast. So for two years now, I've jumped on the microphone. I've hit record. Uh, We've published episodes on, for the most part, a weekly or twice a week basis. And so I got to say, thanks for all the support. I got a Patreon coming up soon. It'll be down in the episode description. You won't see it right away because it's not up right away. But for the price of a cup of coffee, only $5 a month, you can continue to support the podcast, continue to help me grow it and something truly meaningful and helpful for business owners, entrepreneurs, and startup founders, wherever they are. And so, yeah, two years now, didn't really know where it was going to go, didn't really know what was going to happen with it. But this year hit the top 50. I think we hit number 38 for all entrepreneurship podcasts. Uh, We hit top 200 for all business podcasts. Uh, and then there's like a bunch of just like really random statistics that we've hit as well. Uh, I saw yesterday or maybe it was the day before that we were like top 15 for all business podcast in Ghana. Uh, what? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> so there's these random stats that have come in, these random things that have shown me that people are listening to the podcast all over the world. Uh, I don't know how they find it. I have no idea. I'm not like paying for advertising in Ghana. But uh, hey, I'm all about it. I love people finding the podcast. Hopefully, if you've listened to it long term, it's been useful for you. It's been helpful for you. 
And uh, today we're going to throw some good advice your way. We're going to be talking about some things that uh, this is like, I feel like I'm, I'm a little surprised because I feel like every podcast for the last six months, I've had to reference COVID in some way. Uh, back in March, whenever COVID hit, I thought it would be kind of like a 30 day thing. Like we'd be talking about it. And then like around this time, we'd be like, Hey, you remember COVID, but surprise, surprise, it is still top of everyone's mind. It's still something we're dealing with on a day to day basis. Uh, but I'm excited to say that today's episode's not about COVID. We're not talking about anything related to COVID. And of course, now that I said that, I'm sure I will bring it back to COVID in some way. We're talking about sales today. In fact, we're talking about the phrases that should make you run and hide anytime someone says this to you. Anytime someone says one of these expressions to you, they start their conversation with one of these sayings, you should run and hide and go the other direction because this person, chances are, is not worth your dollar. If a salesperson reaches out to you and says one of these things, you got to get out of there. You got to peace out. Don't do business with this person. And more importantly, if you are starting your sales conversations with any one of these expressions. Shame on you. You're, you're flubbing it. You're messing it up. You're totally whiffing it in the sales world because these are things that are, first of all, they're so bad in the sales world, but second of all, they are so common. And as you've probably figured out, Standing out in business really often has less to do with being innovative or being genius in business, and it's actually more about just being different. And so if you want to stand out in the sales world, stop saying what everyone else is saying. But so I get inundated on a day-to-day basis. You probably do as well. LinkedIn, Facebook, emails, whatever it is, I get inundated with the same messages over and over and over and over again. And it's almost kind of like some worldwide guru held a conference that was open to the public and every salesperson could go to it. And this sales guru had a slide deck on like, here's the five things you should say to your prospective client, to your prospective customer. And now it's like everyone's in on it. It's so bizarre how, like, it's so weird to me. Like, I I don't get how everyone is saying the same thing. And it's weird to me because it's like, how are people... And actually what it tells me is that that 90% of people in sales really have no idea what they're doing. They're just copying what everyone else is doing. And so, you know, you're you're going into sales maybe for the first time and you've gotten one of those obnoxious messages and maybe you don't have a lot of sales experience. Maybe you're not really sure how to sell. And so really to no fault of your own, you're like, okay, well, this is the message that I got. Uh, this person seems to know what they're doing. I guess I need to do what they're doing. I need to just repeat what they're doing and maybe that'll work for me. So that that's the only explanation I have is that maybe for whatever reason, people are just copying one another's bad habits and hoping, you know, with the prayer that maybe it'll work. I'm here to tell you that these things don't work. You don't want to be saying these things. You don't want to be trying these things. There's actually a much better way to get sales in your business. Uh, And again, at the same time, avoid the obnoxious salespeople who will waste your time. So let's talk about the phrases, the expressions, the things that if you hear them said, you should run the other direction. And let's start with the one that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves. It's the expression, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to, basically grab these DMs that I've gotten, but hey, Blake, I just want to add value today. 
And I love this one. This one, it it frustrates me, but I love it at the same time because this is a prime example of a really great concept that has been butchered in practice. It's a great concept. It's something that's tried and true, and it can totally transform your sales world. And yet, we've butchered it, we've perverted it, we've totally flubbed it. We don't understand what it really means to add value, but we're using it. It's kind of like it's kind of like people who say um, they really love authenticity, or hey, I just want to be really authentic with you. And I even I say that, but like now suddenly everyone's talking about authenticity without actually being authentic, right? It's kind of a cliche now. Well, so this is like the ultimate cliche in the sales world. I want to add value to you today. And what typically happens is someone says this because they know it's a buzzword. They know it's a it's a power phrase to open up with. Hey, I, Blake, I want to give you value today. Uh, and it's it has all sorts of implications with it of being generous, of being altruistic. You know, I'm going to give you something because I'm so kind and considerate and I care so much about your business. So I'm just going to give this to you for free. And so it has all these implications that supposedly uh, mentally, emotionally, whatever, it gets the other person now feeling responsive to, or rather feeling obligatory towards, now I should give you the time of my day, now I should maybe buy from you, what have you. So it has all these implications, but how, it, how it's been basically totally screwed up is I've realized that people love this expression, but they have no idea what it actually means. So if you've never been in the sales world, maybe you've never had to buy anything before, getting something of value, it's a pretty tried and true concept because one of the most basic principles of not just marketing, not just of sales, but just of business in general is the know, like, and trust factor. And the the simplest way to, to describe it is that people typically buy and do business with people that they know, like, and trust. So I know who you are, I like what you stand for, or I like what your philosophy of business is, or I like what literally your product, I like how you've made it, maybe the uh, whatever qualities it has, I like that. And I trust either you to do what you say you will do, or I trust your product actually does what it's marketed to do. And so it's kind of like the, the easiest way to understand this is, you know, you need to buy uh Man, I don't know. You most recent example for me, I needed to buy some uh, cleaning spray for my kitchen, and uh, this would have been, of, of course, I said I wasn't going to talk about COVID. Now I'm talking about COVID. I couldn't find any cleaning spray at Walmart, so I got an Amazon. Which all the love to uh, the Walmart family here in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, which I know there's like the ultimate back and forth of who's better, Walmart or Amazon. Uh, so, but I so I jumped on Amazon. I found some cleaning spray. I was looking for a brand to buy. I found one. So now I knew of this brand. I looked at what it did. I looked at the the chemicals that were in it. And I thought, okay, I like that about it. I feel like I have a newborn. I want to be able to use this cleaning spray and not worry about, you know, her growing like an extra appendage or anything like that. And looking at the reviews, I thought, okay, I trust that this is actually a pretty good product. And then I bought it. And then I, in, in terms of using it, I said, okay, yeah, I like I like it. And uh, it's working for me. So I'm going to trust it and probably buy it again. So really simple concept. Well, in the value game, 
Someone, however many years ago, realized that if you give people away stuff for free, if you give them value, it gives them a little, it's a little bit of an appetizer of who you are as a business owner. It lets them know this is what you have. This is what you're offering. It's kind of like when you go to Walmart. So here you go, Walmart. Here's your, here's your accolade back in return. Now, now that I've promoted Amazon, it's like when you go to Walmart or you go to Sam's Club and you have the free sample people which I don't know about you, but some days it feels like just to make the day better, maybe we need to go on a little sample route or we go from kiosk to kiosk and try, you know, when you got, you're just, you're just, you're hangry, you know, you're really wanting something tasty because these samples are pretty, pretty nice. They're, they're typically pretty nice, but so, you know, you eat the sample and you're like, oh, that was kind of fun. Now I know a little bit more about it. Now maybe I'm more willing to buy from it. Well, this is like, this, this isn't like a new concept in the sales world. Giving value is, it's not, it's not anything new. But the way we flipped it now is that people now like to say that expression without actually giving value. So let's take the samples analogy. You know, you're at Sam's Club and you're, you, uh, I'm just, I'm feeling pretty hungry right now. Let's, let's just talk about like bagel bites or pizza bites, which are like the best snack to eat when you're really feeling down. So let's imagine there's a kiosk and the person selling these really delicious bagel bites. Maybe it's like, I don't know what the 2020 version of bagel bites are, but it's that. And so you're hungry. You see it. The person hands out the tray of, of the bagel bites. You reach out, you pop one in. It's delicious. It's savory. Um, it's warm, but it's not so hot that the cheese like, you know, melts. It burns the, the roof of your mouth. Excuse me. So it's the perfect temperature. It tastes so good. It actually tastes pretty fresh. Um, and it's just, it's just delicious, you know? So that's, that's the value conversation. Well, how we flipped it is now take the same person and they say, Hey, I have these awesome bagel bites for you. They're so delicious. I want to give you some value today. And then you reach out to grab a bagel bite and they slap your hand and they say, sorry, that'll be two ninety nine If you want to eat one, well, you're kind of like, uh, well, I mean, maybe I'll buy it. I mean, if it looks appetizing enough, maybe if I'm hungry enough, maybe if I'm desperate enough, maybe I will buy one. But but unless you're really feeling those things, you're probably going to be like, uh, okay, well, I, I think I'll just keep looking. I'll keep browsing. I'll Maybe you'll go on to, probably you'll go on to the next kiosk. You go on to the next person, the competitor who set up shop, you know, one aisle over, who's actually giving it for free. So like what's happened in 2020 is people will say, hey, I want to give you value today, but it's only value in, in, in language alone. They're only saying it because then the immediate follow-up is asking you to buy from them. So I'll give you a couple of examples of literally, I'll give you three examples. These are literally uh, just in the last several weeks, three examples of this that I've received. I had a person who said, hey, Blake, and again, all three of these use the verbatim, I want to give you value today, or I want to show you value today. The first person said, hey, Blake, I want to give you value today. That's why I'd like you to buy my ebook on, and I think it was like uh, Facebook funnels, Facebook advertising, whatever. And he said, it's typically $30. I'm giving it away for, which not even the right phrasing. Really, he was selling it. I'm giving it away for only $4.99. So pretty big discount. Well, I kind of laughed because I thought, well, this isn't giving value. You're you're literally asking me to buy from you. You've you've jumped the value conversation straight to, hey, buy from me. Second example was again, 
hey, Blake, I just want to give you value today. And it then followed by this massive essay on this person's lead generation company. Here's all the customers we've helped. Here's all the results we've gotten from them. Uh, I'd love to jump on a call and tell you more about our service, our product. And I, again, I kind of laughed because I thought this is this is you getting me on a sales call. It's it's not you giving me value. You know, in your mind, giving me value is me buying from you. And I and somehow you're doing me a favor by selling me the product. This doesn't make any sense. And the third one is just like the other two. Hey, Blake, I want to give you value today. I'd love to learn more about your business and share how I might be able to help. Can we jump on a Zoom call? Here's my calendar link. I got this one just, I think, yesterday or the day before. And again, I'm thinking, this isn't you giving me value. This is you getting me on your sales call to improve your bottom line. It's actually nothing about me. It's really about you. And it twists what the expression originally meant. The expression literally was, because I care about you as a customer, because I want to show you good faith in me actually legitimately wanting to help you in your business, I'm going to give you value today in the form of this freebie, of um, just some free advice. Uh, here's, here's a great example. The guy who cuts my lawn, I uh, he does all of his great guy, by the way. And here's how I know he's a great guy is because I've had like these random like, you know, the person who goes above and beyond versus the person who does the minimum. So this guy, he comes and he cuts my lawn. I've had people cut my lawn in the past and, you know, they 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 cut it, they weeded it, whatever. Well, I had some bricks in my backyard that were kind of spread about near the fence. And I also have I have a little patio that has some weeds growing out of it. Well, this guy didn't just cut my lawn. He he cut down all the weeds that were growing around the patio, which he didn't have to do. And he stacked my bricks in like a neat, tidy way. It's like he was like landscaping my backyard and he didn't have to do that. And so I, I'm already kind of invested in this guy's business. Well, I, I noticed that he processes uh, every customer through Venmo. But so he also doesn't let you know when he's coming. He just, it's like on a, every other, every couple of weeks he shows up and there's been a couple of times that I've forgotten to pay the guy. And so I'm, I'm not any disrespect to him. It's just a lot's going on. I'm not really thinking about uh, all the things that I'm paying for. Well, understandably, there's probably other people who are forgetting to pay him. And so one way I might give him values, I might say, Hey, I have some recommendations on how you can track your sales a little bit better or how you can track how you can do invoicing in a way that won't cost you any more money or time, but it'll help you not lose track of sales. Uh, I'd be happy just to share that with you. It's just a mutual insight. That's just a mutual business owner. That's me giving value to someone. Now, would it be great as a small business owner if that person came back and said, hey, what do you do for a living? What does good advice do? Hey, can you grow my business? Can you help me as a salesperson? Can you help me make more money? Yada, yada. I mean, yeah, that'd be awesome. But the point is I'm I'm giving value because I legitimately care about this person and their business. And so that's it. That's what reciprocal business actually means and what it actually looks like. It's not this, this copy paste. I want to give you value. Oh, and then here's my sales message for the day. So if someone opens with that expression, chances are they aren't really trying to give you value. They're trying to take value in the form of your dollars. Real people who want to give value, they don't say, I want to give value. They actually just give you value. They just do it, 
right? It's like, it's like going back to the authenticity analogy. I don't have to tell you I want to be authentic. I just, I just am authentic. I just act authentic. You know, it's like with the leadership. I don't have to say, hey, I want to be a servant leadership or excuse me, a servant leader. I don't want to be a leader who serves. I, I just serve. You know, I don't say that I'm doing it. I just do it. And so the people who are going to actually give you value, they are going to really give you value. They're not going to use it as this really superficial sales tactic. So that's the first one. That's the one that I'm probably the most miffed about. I probably should have saved it for last, you know, for like the climax of the episode. But let's talk about a few other ones that I think are really obnoxious to me. They're all pretty related. Second one. Uh, and again, I'll just phrase it as, as the messages that I typically get. I got this one yesterday. Hey, Blake, we seem a lot alike. And I don't know why this bothers me so much. It's, it's not because I'm fearful of being vulnerable. I'm not fearful of being understood in life. I'm not trying to be mysterious or aloof from people or what have you. And I don't, I don't even fully know why it gets on my nerves so much because chances are this person doesn't really know much about me. They don't really know much about who I am. They don't, if it's the first interaction we have, they don't know why I'm in business. They don't know why I'm trying, what I'm even trying to do with my business. And so when they say, hey, we seem a lot alike, or we seem really like-minded, it's, again, it's, it's a superficial sales tactic to create this sort of false sense of relatability. It's almost like, um, so I live in Arkansas. We have the Arkansas Razorbacks. Um, it'd be like someone, it's like the low hanging fruit. It's the low hanging fruit that, you know, the person doesn't, it's, it's a bit disingenuous. You know, that they're just like kind of putting those few words in to catch your attention, just to get to the meat of what they're trying to say. So it'd be like someone, for example, being like, Hey Blake, uh, I see you're in Arkansas. Woo pig suey. Hey, I want to tell you about this product I have. I mean, it's, it's, and maybe I'm being overly cynical. I, here's the deal. It's because now that I'm saying it, I feel bad. I don't want to, I don't want to make you guys as salespeople have to now think so deeply into this that you can't even just get out there and do your job. But because obviously it's, it's better than the alternative of, I think of it like in, in terms of like levels of offense, like the most offensive inbox message you can get is like literally the pure cold sales email message, whatever. Hey, Blake, let me tell you about this awesome product. So at least, at least the Arkansas reference is one step better than that. However, it's important to know as a buyer that if someone just plugs that in at the start, Hey, we're really, we seem really like-minded. Hey, we seem like we'd seem like I had one guy who said, Hey, we seem like we'd be friends. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not anti-friend. I'm not an introvert. I love meeting people. I, I like to think that I'm relatable with people. I don't know. I, I like to think that I am. But when someone says, I think it feels like we'd be friends. For me, that feels disingenuous and a little manipulative in the sense of you don't really know anything about me. And frankly, what comes after that really isn't anything about us being friends. It's once again, it's about me buying from you. Uh, the next one that's a bit just annoying, as annoying as that one, is when someone says, I love what good advice is doing. Uh, when I, again, I don't again, I don't know if there's like a, a book out there or like a sales script where like it's like say these five things, but I get this one a lot. Hey, Blake, I love what good advice is doing. And I think I don't well, what do you think good advice is doing? You know, what do you think? What do you think about this? Like, what do you, what's your perception of what, and I, and I, I'm, again, I'm not trying to sound cynical. I'm not trying to sound like overly bitter towards salespeople, but 
if you can tell from my voice, I am a little tired. I am a little exhausted because I'm getting these messages again and again and again. And I'm thinking this, you just reached out to me for, for the first time. You've never looked at my profile. You've never messaged me before. You don't even know I have a podcast. Uh, or actually, you know, what's really funny is I, going back to this exact verbatim. I love what good advice is doing. Someone uses the wrong business name. Hey, Blake, I love what good advice coaching is doing. Okay. Well, that's, that's the web address, but that's not the name of the business. Or I had someone who reached out and said, Hey, I love what good gear hockey is doing. What, uh, good gear hockey. What? I love what good gear hockey is doing. And then they proceeded to use it in an email two or three more times until finally I responded and said, Hey, um, just FYI, that's not the name of my business. And so like these disingenuous messages that it's, it's, you just have to know. And again, without sounding cynical, you just have to know that your, your buyers see right through that. And frankly, if, if they are any, if they are at all a meaningful customer, meaning they're having, they actually have money to spend, like they're willing to invest in things outside of their business, they're probably spending so much time running a successful business that they really don't have time for you anyway. And so when you, when you put out that kind of stuff that is disingenuous, that is tacky, that is hokey and cliche, that's what will cause someone just to scroll because they're thinking, yeah, 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 I've heard that before. And I know you really know nothing about who I am and who I am as a business. The ones on the flip side that stand out to me, I got a message from someone who said, hey, Blake, uh, I love the Good Advice podcast. Hey, I listened to two episodes. I listened to episode 124, um, and it was like it was like a management episode. And I loved your perspective on leadership. Hey, I also listened to this episode, and I loved your line. And then he quoted a line from the episode. Hey, I'd love to talk more about your podcast and 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 how we might be able to work. See, now now I'm interested. Now you've put some meat behind the expression. I love what you're doing, and I know it's not a tacky sales line. And then the last one that's annoying to me that should make you run is when someone tells you, I think this would be perfect for you when they've never asked anything about you, your business, and they haven't the slightest clue. I was on a sales call with someone who talked to me for probably 45 minutes about a product they were selling, a service they wanted my business to buy. And then they ended it with Blake. I think this would be perfect for you. And I thought to myself, how would you know it's perfect for me? In our 45 minutes of talking, you never asked one thing about my business. You never asked one thing about the goals of my business. You don't even know why I'm in business. You don't know anything like that because you never asked. So how would you know it's perfect for me? What that reeks of is you trying to convince me it's a really great product and you're trying to convince me to buy from you without actually putting in the work of getting to know me as a buyer. And see, that's, that's, that is the hack in business. That's the silver bullet that people aren't willing to understand. If you want to stand out in the sales world, if you want to stand out in the business world, you have to get away from these one-liners. You have to get away from these, these things that feel like, uh, to borrow the expression I just used, that they feel like silver bullets. They feel like if you just say this, if you just do this, it works. It's like the person who sells the course on sales and they teach their people to say, always open with, I want to add value. Like we have to move beyond these cliche isms and these superficial one-liners 
to actually understanding what's meaningful in sales. What's meaningful in sales has always been intentionality. It's always been a a seller who's getting to know their buyer on an individual basis. No one wants to be another number in someone's on someone's P&L in their in their order number what have you. Every customer likes to feel a sense of individuality. And it doesn't mean, you know, if you sell a product that is, you know, to the masses, it's a 9.95, you know, it's 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 really not tailored to anyone in particular. I get that you don't have the time or energy to really take this down to a, a granular level with your buyer. But we've kind of forgotten how to do sales today where we are so into these sayings that we're not into actually getting to know our customer. Because here's, here's actually the insight. When you get to know a customer, you're not just trying to make the sale happen. You're also doing two other things. One, just like you're selling to them, you're also buying from them. Here's what you're buying from them. You're buying their quality as a customer because not every customer is created equal. I had a friend of mine who worked for a business where he was talking about some of their contracts and he said, uh, these contracts he had with his customers. And he said, yeah, some of our contracts we call regretfully signed because now that we're working with this customer, we realize that they are infinitely more work than we wanted to put in. And they are infinitely more challenging than we thought they would be. They're hard to work with. Uh, they're over the top. I think of for me, I was uh, with my last company, we were working with Walmart, literally Fortune One. You know, it's the most, it's, it's the biggest company in the world. And we had sent a contract to them. We had done tons of contracts with them. And Walmart had always signed it. There were never any issues. So we knew the contract, like in terms of how it was written, was fine. Because again, biggest company in the world, they were like, yeah, sure, it looks great. Well, I picked up this small client. It was a, a company in another state. And so I, I couldn't really engage with them on a personal level, but I, I sent the contract over to them. And there were so many issues with the contract. And not just issues, but things like you can't put this in a contract. This doesn't work in it. What's going on here? Why didn't you put this in here? And I remember thinking, dude, like, first of all, you aren't worth all of these this extra energy and just trying to get the contract in a way you, you appreciate. But second of all, like the things that you're complaining about, I know really aren't an issue because I have literally the biggest company in the world in my back porch who's who isn't even blinking an eye, along with dozens, if not hundreds of other companies who've never had a problem with the contract. And so not every customer is created equal in that some of them are more challenging to work with than others. And so so the reason there has to be more of this superficial exchange is, again, you're not just trying to to sell a product. You're trying to figure out, is this person, a, a frankly, a worthy customer to invest now your time and energy into? In the consulting world, for me, I'm not even just talking about uh, difficult customers. I'm also thinking about, for the sake of my brand, Will this person be able to execute on the advice that I give them? And that's not always the case. Sometimes I work with the business and I find out very early on, this person is incapable of change. They're either incapable of change or whether they're, whether due to their own ego, their lack of ability to delegate, uh, their broken focus, what have you, this person is incapable. It's like, it's like, 
It's like pointing out, hey, here's a real flaw in your business. And they say, oh my gosh, yes, I need to work on that. And then two weeks go by and they're like, sorry, man, the day-to-day has been... It's the person who can't get out of the working in the business to, to focus on working on the business. So these are people who aren't great for my brand because when the when the contract's said and done, they're going to come back. And even if, it's, even if it's their fault, they're going to come back and say, well, really, I didn't really get what I thought I was getting. Therefore, you must not be very good at your job, right? So I'm constantly validating and evaluating, is this person a great customer for me? A great example of this, I had a call with a guy out of Detroit who was trying to grow this business. It was like a, this would have been maybe like a year and a half ago. He was trying to grow a... Um, in-home personal trainer business. And as we were talking, like I said, he's, he's right out of Detroit and I'm asking, you know, where are you from? What's going on? And he's like, oh, I live in this tiny, tiny town about an hour out of Detroit. Uh, barely anyone here, maybe a thousand people, something like that. And I say, okay, um, well, that's not great for your business because, you know, if, if just from cold outreach alone, if only one to 3% of people buy from you, you're not going to be able to reach all 1000. You're only going to be able to even, even a sliver is going to even listen to your brand listen to your marketing message, what have you. It doesn't give you a lot of customers for your bottom line. I mean, just, just pure statistically speaking. But so he was, he was like, okay, yeah, but I think I could figure it out. So we start, we started talking more about the business and I said, so you're going to travel from house to house. And he's like, yes, but there's a problem. I don't own a car. And I said, well, hang on. You're trying to run an in-home personal training business. You don't own a car. He's like, no, I don't own a car. So I was like, okay, well, that's a whole different problem we need to focus on. Okay, well, how are you going to track your customers? Like, you're going to put it in into a Google Doc? Do you have a CRM? You know, what is it? He goes, oh, I don't own a computer. And I go, okay. Uh, well, how are you going to reach out to your customers? If you can't email them, I mean, are you going to call them? I mean, he goes, oh, I don't own a phone. I'm calling you from like my grandma's house phone. And I'm thinking two things. I'm thinking, how did I get on the, on the phone with this guy? But I'm thinking too, this guy is in no way in the right position to take any advice that I could give him, right? And so this is not someone that I'm going to want to work with long-term. And so the power of intentionality, it's not just about, it's not just about um, getting the sale. It's also figuring out like in this conversation with this prospective buyer, is this actually someone I want to work with? I had someone who he's in a similar business with me and he said it was like literally towards the tail end of the sales call where this person was ready to buy when a a huge red flag went up. And I don't remember what it was, but it was something so significant that he as the seller was like, yikes, I cannot work with this person. And so he took his price and like tripled it or quadrupled it just so that the person wouldn't be able to afford it. Because he felt bad being like, well, hey, actually, never mind. I don't want to work with you. And so the person was like, well, I can't afford that. Sorry. But that's, he was like, yeah, I don't want to work with this person either. So whenever we talk about sales, you don't have to fall back on these hokey expressions. You just got to get back to the basics, the things that actually have always worked in sales. And that's having an actual human conversation, talking to them, getting to know them, Letting them talk rather than you presenting. So many salespeople jump on a call and they present for 30 to 45 minutes. I want to present to you my product and why it's amazing. Instead, flipping it, hey, tell me about your business. What's going on? What are some of the problems you're facing? What's happening? Hey, have you tried this? Hey, when, when you tried this, what happened? Well, have you ever bought this product before? Have you ever used someone in my industry before? Okay, what was it like? Why didn't it work? You know, these... These things that are like, are just, it's like, I don't know how to describe it other than like a real conversation. These are the things you should be doing in your sales calls. 
And when you, when you insert back into sales, the human component, like the, the conversational component, the back and forth, the intentionality, and also not just the intentionality, we've lost our sense of patience in business. So if I don't sell you on the first call, you're not worth my time. If, I, if you don't buy from me on the pitch, now you aren't worth my time. And this kind of, of I don't know what, what to call it. It's not like even hunger. It's like, it's like this lack of long-term thinking is screwing over so many businesses. I had a guy who, he reached out to me and he said, Blake, I'd love to tell you about my product. I want you to know about this thing that I'm selling. And I didn't respond. Uh, he emailed me again. Hey, I want you to know about this product I'm selling. Didn't respond. Because again, it's just, it's just another message in my inbox. He called me. Somehow got my personal cell phone number, uh, which isn't posted. Got my personal cell phone number. Called me there. Left me a voicemail. Like, I really want to tell you about this product. And so after a while, I, I got a little, I didn't know if I should be frustrated or impressed with his persistence. But finally, I don't typically do this with people. Finally, I responded and I said, hey, you know, obviously I appreciate that you are willing to really try to, to get me on the phone and talk about your product. Uh, I can tell you that I, I don't think that I'm interested, but from a pure relationship standpoint, from building a connection between the two of us, if you're willing to learn more about my business, I'm happy to learn more about yours as well. Uh, like I said, I don't think I'm re- I, I want to buy from you. But if, if, if making a new connection, if making a new relationship would be worth it to you, I'd be happy to jump on a call. And if nothing else, if I like what you have as a product, I am happy to recommend you to people who might be willing to buy from you. So right then and there, I'm, I'm already offering to potentially refer him to people. But so I made it clear I, wasn't, I probably wasn't going to buy, but hey, we can jump on a call anyway. You know what this person said in response? Nothing. Didn't respond. Didn't take me up on it. Didn't, didn't, didn't. And I've actually done this a few times now, now that I think about it. I've done this a few times. And every time no one's ever taken me up on the offer. And it's, it's sad to me because I think, man, you, you lost the potential for a customer because they made it clear they weren't going to buy in the first interaction with you. And if you're in sales, you have to understand that it is literally a marathon with some of your people, not a sprint. I've had amazing customers of a local hospital who's a great customer. It took three years to get them as a customer. Three years. It wasn't a, you know, this, this one call closed, this email copy that I sent that closed them. It, it was three years of nurturing and building a relationship. And more often than not, I find that to be true again and again and again. I had a guy on the podcast who, incredible person in business, and we were talking about his business, and he said, you know, for me to meet someone and close them as a customer, it's about six to nine months. Six to nine months of letting them get to know me, like what I stand for, and trust me enough to buy from me. Again, this doesn't apply for everyone. If you're throwing your product on Amazon, you're probably not doing something like this. But if you're trying to sell high ticket things or you're trying to build your raving fans, those customers who you retain, which you can do this on Amazon, by the way, you know, someone buys from you and you reach out, hey, thanks for buying this product. I just want to tell you thank you. Hey, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you a thank you card in the mail and you send it to their billing address or excuse me, their shipping address. Hey, thanks for buying. And it's separate. 
It's separate from the product. It's a handwritten note. I mean, there's ways to do this to get someone to be a return customer from you. Because otherwise, people are just, they're just attracted by cheapest price and value. You know, okay, well, this product is a dollar cheaper. Seems to do the same thing, so I'm going to go with them. But if you want to retain customers, if you want to build raving fans, customers you retain, this is the way to do it. Get away from the hokey one-liners and actually get back to the heart of sales, which the success of any business comes from being desperate and focused on solving someone else's problem. It's not about me. It's not about getting rich. It's not about, you know, what is this? What will this now do for me? It's I am passion. I'm, I'm passionate and I'm emboldened in my business because I deeply believe in what it does for the customer. If that is really true for you, then you will have the patience and intentionality it takes to actually set yourself apart from all of the noise and truly solve a problem for the customer, to actually have a conversation, to get to know someone and really develop the trust that's needed from them to buy from you. And what's so funny is it's not a sexy strategy, but it works again and again and again. And if you want to grow your business, you need to develop that appetite for real conversation and real relationships. Get away from the one-liners and do the real work it takes to grow the business. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, definitely subscribe to the podcast. Definitely leave us a five-star review. And as always, man, tell people about the podcast. I love getting people to check out the podcast, to email me, tell me they're enjoying it. And hey, I'm throwing up the Patreon uh, for good for the Good Advice podcast. Something as cheap as $5, a cup of coffee a month goes a long way in growing the podcast. I really appreciate it. We'll have another episode coming to you next Monday, another guest episode. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you later. See ya.